Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, the U.S. government just published their fourth national climate assessment. Now, this report is an authoritative assessment of the science of climate change with a focus specifically on the United States. It represents the first of two volumes of the fourth national climate assessment mandated by the Global Change Research Act of 1990. So they've been doing this every four years. And it's, it's pretty effective. So in this show, we've been talking about one branch of our government's conclusions regarding climate change. And talk about one branch because other branches of the government have different opinions. So there's lots and lots to unpack here. So this 470-page U.S. government report, you know, I'm pretty sure not everybody's going to go download a copy and read it. I didn't even read the whole thing. I just looked at the summary and some of the conclusions. But this detailed report evaluated the latest scientific evidence and concludes, no surprise, that storms, including hurricanes, have become more powerful, heavy rainfall is more common in some parts of the U.S., and heat waves, wildfires, and droughts are more intense and happening more frequently. So we've been talking about that. You could just, you know, anybody who watches the news or reads about things sees that this is happening more and more often. Now, the conclusions in this report were made with an unprecedented level of scientific uncertainty, utterly refuting statements made by senior Trump administration officials about the causes and effects of our changing climate. So in other words, this is a U.S. government scientific report. They've been doing it every four years for 16 years, and they really come out very clearly that we are having a global climate change issue, and it's bad for the United States. Now, Unfortunately, I talk about this kind of disjointed government. The White House downplayed the new report last week. They said basically, ah, the climate's changing, and it's always changing. So no big deal. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that have an argument with that, almost everybody with a scientific education. Now, you know, instead of what the White House which says, which is, oh, the climate's always changing and the weather, you know, it's going to continue to change, the report directly attributes the climate change that's going on squarely on the activities of humans and basically says that there's no convincing alternative explanation supported by science to explain why we're seeing so much warming. In other words, the scientists look at this, they say it's caused by humans, and they can't come up with any other alternative explanation that they they can explain why why it's getting warmer and we're having these extreme weather events. Okay. All right, I probably tuned out everybody who doesn't believe in global climate change, and there's probably no more Trump supporters listening. That's not my intent, because I, I want to first point out some, some interesting research not at all to do with climate change. So this is some, some observations from kind of a, um, sociological researchers. Researchers have found again and again that attitudes about climate change are shaped far more profoundly by political ideology or by comfort with proposed solutions to global warming than they are by the science itself. In other words, your political views have a big effect on whether or not you believe in human impact of climate change. If you support the current Trump administration, you are much more likely to believe that humans do not affect climate change and that the climate is changing naturally. And your preferred solutions are probably going to have a big effect on whether or not you believe in human impact of climate change. So if you're in the fossil fuel industry, 
the solutions um, are, are going to be, you know, mostly a fossil fuel kind of technology. Um, and you're going to believe, you're going to have much more likelihood to believe that humans aren't affecting climate change. Where, on the other hand, like me, if you're in the renewable energy business, you're much more likely to believe that humans are causing climate change. I mean, I'm guilty of that. So, bottom line is, I don't think anybody's going to change their mind by this 470-page report. It's a great report. Esteemed scientists wrote it. But it's not going to make a difference, which is really sad. But anyway, let's go back to the government's latest report. Now, first of all, I kind of mentioned this. I detect a very high degree of government schizophrenia here. The report concludes that humans are the primary cause of climate change. I mean, scientists have been saying that, and, you know, the, the, God knows how many, um, how many other organizations and, and research institutes and papers have indicated that. But the White House, the Department of Energy, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and an extended alphabet list of federal agencies now believe that climate change is not caused by humans. So how did we get here? You know, what, what's kind of going on? All right. Well, who at the government decided to, like, write this report? It's kind of amazing that the Trump administration would even let something like this out. Well, there's this organization called the U.S. Global Change Research Program, the USGCRP. It's established by Presidential Initiative in 1989 and mandated by Congress in the Global Change Research Act of 1990 to assist the nation and the world to understand, assess, predict, and respond to human-induced and natural processes of global climate change. All right, so what happened basically is in 1989, Congress passed a law that says we have to do this climate research report every four years. That's what's going on. Um, They're looking at both human and natural processes. That's their agenda. That was what the law said. Um, It's staffed by three federal agencies that conduct or use research on global change and its impact on society in support of our country's response to global change. So this was a congressional act that wanted to use science to prepare the United States for what could happen, whether it's a natural change or human-caused change, for global changes like climate. George Bush was president at the time, and Reagan was president before, as this legislation was going through. So it was started and signed by a Republican administration. Now we have another Republican administration. And by the way, there's lots of Republicans who are very passionate about climate change, who are in the energy industry, who are in the solar industry, in the energy storage industry, like me. And and we're very concerned because... We're basically ignoring science, at least in the view of many people, and in the view of this report. Okay, enough with the background. What does the report say? Where do we go? Well, first of all, there's an obvious statement right at the beginning of the report. The climate of the United States is strongly connected to the changing global climate. Duh, you know, we all share the same weather in the the world. I mean, these weather patterns are, are global. All right, so now let's go to the primary conclusions of this report. Okay, we're going to just kind of go down the list here. There's there's quite a few, and it's not very encouraging. All right, global annual surface air temperatures have increased by about 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, 1 degree C, over the last 115 years. So temperature's going up. It's the warmest in the history of modern civilization. In the last few years, we've seen record-breaking climate-related weather extremes. Okay, you don't have to look very far. It's just three hurricanes and a, and a big fire in California and an earlier fire last year. Another fire down in Southern California last year. These trends are expected to continue. 
over the climate time scales. We're not looking at like weekly weather. We're looking at annual and, and hundred year weather. Okay. Based on extreme evidence, it's extremely likely that human activities, especially emissions of greenhouse gases, are the dominant cause of the observed since the mid 20th century. That's when we started to spew a lot of these fossil fuels out there. That's when it was the, the um, industrial processes really took off. That's when we started bringing a lot of coal and gas and oil um, and had a lot of uh, transportation related emissions. All right, and here's the other. This is the kicker. For the warming over the last century, there's no convincing alternative explanation supported by the extent of the observational evidence. In other words, scientists can't come up with any other reason why the temperature is going up so much. Okay, now, in addition to this warming, many other problems are happening. Thousands of studies have, con have been conducted that document changes in surface temperature, atmospheric, and oceanic temperatures. So it's not just the air that's getting warmer, the ground is getting warmer, and the water's getting warmer. And that's got some, some impacts. Glaciers are melting, snow cover's going away, sea ice is shrinking, the sea levels are going up as, you know, as, as uh, water warms, it gets bigger, it, it, it expands in, in size, and as uh, um, uh, ice that's on the surface melts, it just goes into the water, and that's going to raise sea levels. The ocean gets more acidic, and um, there's more atmospheric water vapor. When there's more atmospheric water vapor, you get more storms. Okay. Global average sea level has risen by 7 to 8 inches since 1900. So, you know, the, the water's getting closer to the land, everybody. Half of this increase occur, occurred since 1993, and the scientists have concluded this is caused by you know, human activity. Global sea level rises has already affected the United States. So we're having high tides that are higher than they ever were before. And now, a rise by as much as 8 feet by 2100 cannot be ruled out. So that basically, all the cities around the coast, um, they're going to be uh, partially underwater. Not, it's not, not all underwater, but partially underwater. There's islands around the world that are going to be completely underwater. The sea level rise will be higher than the global averages on the east coast and gulf coasts of the United States. So west coast, probably okay. East coast, sea levels are going to be up. Maybe it's a good time to buy coastal property like a quarter of a mile inland, but not right on the coast because you're going to have to pay for a wall or just move. All right, so what? Sea level rise. We have a new place to serve. Temperatures go up and fewer people freeze to death around the world. Um, maybe we can grow oranges in New England. Who knows? But these changes are particularly important for human safety. It's not just our agriculture and, you know, humanity. It's, it's our infrastructure. It's our water quality. It's the ecosystems out there. So... Yeah, you know, got, got to find out what we're going to do. And it's, if we continue to ignore this, it's going to be a problem. Okay, so what's happening? Recently, heat waves have become more frequent in the United States. I mean, it's very, very clear. Extreme cold temperatures and cold waves are less frequent. Yeah, you can, we kind of remember when we were kids, there used to be a lot more snow than there is right now. But, you know, the scientists say there really is a lot less snow than there is right now. We're expecting to have more record-setting hot years and, and we're kind of clearly seeing that as the temperature goes up by almost two degrees. All right, so heat, that's not good. Now, what about forest fires? We've had more large forest fires in the western United States and Alaska since the early 1980s. I mean, just this year, we had a big fire down in L.A., and we had a, a big, terrible, tragic fire in Napa and Sonoma a month ago or so. Now, these forest fires are projected to further increase as the climate changes, and it's going to have a big impact on on regional ecosystems. Now, you know, I can be, I'm sometimes a little bit skeptical and 
we no longer clear the brush out from these areas and we kind of let that accumulate and sometimes that causes fires that are worse but you know it's clearly there's there's a lot more situations like that and you know there's there's maybe other causes of it as far as utilities but um, there's clearly more fires okay now What's also happening is that there's more of a trend towards an earlier spring melt and reduced snowpack. So, like just in the mountain areas, we got a, we have a lot of stored water and snow. Well, first of all, we're not getting as much snow, and second, that snow is melting earlier. So that's affecting the amount of water we have. We've had terrible droughts in, in California over the last seven or eight years. Just over the last couple of years, you know, it's rained more, but the expectation is that those droughts are, are likely to continue as the climate warms up. Now, the water's going to be somewhere else, but it's not going to be where we are. Okay, now, the magnitude of the climate change over the next few decades are going to depend primarily on the amount of greenhouse gases, especially carbon, carbon dioxide, that are emitted globally. So carbon dioxide emitted in Asia has a worldwide impact. So without major reductions in these carbon dioxide emissions, the increase in the annual average global temperature could reach 5 degrees C, almost 10 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of this century. So by 2100, the average temperature is going to be up by 9 degrees. That's a real lot. Now, if we were to significantly reduce these emissions somehow, the increase in, in annual average global temperatures could be limited to about 3.6 degrees or 2 degrees C. Now, personally, I don't know if 2 degrees C is enough to reverse this trend. These trends kind of have a lot of inertia. Once they start, they're really hard to reverse. So we probably would have to really reduce the average annual temperature, at least get, get it back to where we were in, you know, 1900 in order for this process to stop. So, you know, we kind of may be too late, but you never know. All right. So what in terms of specific global carbon dioxide concentration, it's now past 400 parts per million. And the last time that there was this much carbon monoxide in the air was 3 million years ago. I mean, this was like dinosaur land. That's when the average global temperature and the sea level were much higher. So we don't have, we can't kind of look very specifically over a hundred year period, three million years ago. But we can see three million years ago, CO2 was higher. The average global temperature was higher and the sea levels were higher. So it's pretty, it's a, it's, it's a pretty easy conclusion to say we're headed in that direction. All right. So basically, it's broad scientific consensus that the further and the faster the Earth systems is pushed towards warming, the greater the risk of unanticipated changes and impacts, some of which are potentially large and irreversible. So here's one that, that you know I read about. There's a Gulf Stream, and the Gulf Stream kind of circulates water from Europe up up to the, the northern northern hemisphere, and it circulates it down past the east coast and you got this like counterclockwise circular water flow and that's actually what warms europe and actually keeps the, the east coast kind of warm of the u.s well there's talk about that current reversing that would be kind of bad i mean europe would suddenly get really really cold because you'd be pulling arctic air over europe and probably you know the, the i don't exactly know what would happen to the u.s actually the western u.s might get the eastern u.s where these gulf stream waters would be coming from uh, the southern atlantic they would get a lot warmer all right. Now, the observed increase in carbon emissions over the last 15 to 20 years has been consistent with higher emissions pathways. In other words, we've been burning a lot more fossil fuels, generating more CO2, which is what we're measuring, and you kind of get this expected change. All right. Well, you know, candidly, kind of looking at the conclusions of this report, 
it's kind of depressing. And, you know, it's disastrous for the way society is right now. It's, it could be disastrous for the world. I mean, the civilization will go on. It's just not the way we kind of expected. It. It's just going to get a lot hotter and we're all going to move north and the people who are living in the, around the pole equator, just, it's going to be maybe too hot to live. All right. But unfortunately, I'm convinced that this report is going to have little or no impact. Climate science has been almost completely politicized. If your political views support Donald Trump, or if you have economic interests in the fossil fuel or the incumbent energy industries, this report's not going to change your mind. It's just not. Big business interests, thinking about fossil fuel companies and their customers, are dominating the political choices we make. They're the, they're the biggest contributors, and, and they're the ones that are kind of pushing us in the direction towards eliminating what the EPA and the DOE um, have traditionally done. So I'd say realistically, we probably have at least three more years of climate change denial. And, and you know, but one thing worse is there's one thing worse than denial, and that's actually reversing good policies. So we're going to continue to see three more years of, of these policies that were good for the climate. They're going to continue to be reversed. Now, luckily, the rest of the world except for the United States and Syria, are supporting the Paris Climate Agreement. And I have to take Syria off that that bad list because this week Syria decided to support the Paris Climate Agreement. So out of all the countries in the world, the U.S. is the only one that's not supporting this Paris Climate Agreement, talking about withdrawing from the climate, the climate agreement. And it's just incredible how anybody else in the rest of the world is kind of looking at the United States right now as far as our selfishness in pulling out of this and saying it's not a problem. Now, the changes in the climate happen really gradually, but there are things that you can do yourself that can kind of help your own little micro-issues. Now, what's going to happen? You can expect your electricity costs to continue to go up, and you can also expect less reliable electricity as utilities divert their maintenance efforts towards their profits. And we're seeing that, and some people believe that the reason why there was, there's been a, a number of fires in California is the utilities have not been pruning the trees that are around their wires. These trees brush up against the wires. They, they, they catch fire. You know, they have a, a wind. The trees knock over the wires. There shouldn't be any trees near those wires, but that's what's happening. But the utilities are able to divert their maintenance and make more of a profit short term. But, you know, they could cause problems. And this is just alleged. You know, we'll see what happens. But in the, meantime, in the meantime, there are a few positive things you can do for your own energy situation. Now, I'm not even going to talk about how you want to um, handle your political choices you make. That, that's your own choice. But as far as how you want to invest your own money and what you want to do personally, I would suggest you shop for a good electric rate that's best for your home or business. And a lot of utilities are offering different rates, time of use rates, electric vehicle rates, or some, you can also sometimes have a choice of utility. So you can select the utility that may be giving you cheaper power or greener power. That's your own choice. Another choice you can make is install rooftop solar or buy green electricity. So you can be part of a community choice aggregation program or, or team up with people to buy green electricity by putting your own solar system. And then another thing you can do, and we're seeing this happen more and more often, is look into a backup power system using new reliable lithium-ion batteries, inverters, in a solar system. And we're seeing a lot more people kind of take advantage of that because not only can you save a little bit more money, but you also have backup power in case of a blackout. And we're just seeing a lot more of those blackouts happening. Okay, 
That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts.